0: You.
1: What about this one for my nephew? A superb choice. Oh, great. Yeah, provided he has already read Infinite Crisis and 52 and is familiar with the re-establishment of the DC multiverse. <laughs> Who am I? Cypher? The gayest X-Man? I recently read this novel called Watchmen. I've never read a comic book like this. I used to read Betty comics, but that's it. I've never read, like, real, real comic books. This worked my life out. Excellent! Hello, hello, hello. This is Chris and Eric's Songbox Adventure. I'm Chris. And I am Eric. This week, we are discussing one of... That's incorrect. Not one of. This week, we are discussing my favorite franchise of all time. We are finally having a Digimon episode. There's going to be a lot to get into. But before we really dive in and I do creator roll call, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Am I correct in saying that prior to this, you knew basically absolutely nothing about Digimon?
0: I knew that they were digital monsters. I remember the like theme song. And I remember the weird guy who looks like a dinosaur kind of. And that's it. Oh, and the cactus thing. I recognized that. When that showed up, I was like, oh, that's a Digimon. I thought that was a Pokemon. Okay, then. But I recognized it.
1: Judging by your reaction pre-recording, is it fair to say that after doing the reading, you still don't feel like you know very much about Digimon?
0: Yeah. (laughs) My takeaway is, oh, they're all something Mon. They really leaned hard on the Mon for the naming conventions. That's it. That's my takeaway. That's all I've got after reading this. This is the Bionicle episodes where I had, like, made you read these comics that are sort of the weird, not the primary representation of uh, a childhood franchise that I really loved, and you're like, okay, but what is this, though? Why did you like this so much? And I'm looking at this, and I'm feeling the same way.
1: Yeah, in both cases, I think it's fair to say that part of it is that the comics aren't the draw to the franchise, and we're just kind of using supplementary material to talk about it, because this is a comic podcast, and we love these franchises, but neither of them is best served by the comics just wait till we do like godzilla or um i mean actually it's
0: kind of similar with doctor who sometimes as well although i will defend doctor who comics as just being like better than bionicle comics in terms of getting it right i would agree but like similarly it's like if you want to get someone to like doctor who you show them the tv show If you want someone to like Bionicles, you make them nine years old again and then hand them one of the toys. So yeah, these are weird mediums to be looking at. But I mean, it's still interesting in terms of just like, okay, I'm I'm recognizing things from my childhood that had nothing to do with my childhood because I wasn't into
1: Digimon. But just that sort of like vaguely remembered social awareness from being a little kid.
0: Yeah, it's like how my only childhood experience with Pokemon was watching the first movie, the one with Mewtwo, at a friend's house once on VHS. And so when Detective Pikachu came out and the whole thing turned out to be about Mewtwo, I was like, oh damn, somehow I've experienced the one like most relevant bit of Pokemon media to understand this. What are the chances? But also, this is all that I know from this. Digimon is the one where I didn't even watch one of the movies at a friend's house. I've just, like, heard the theme song and seen some pictures.
1: To start us off, then, I'll go ahead and do the general obligatory, like, creator roll call, as well as just... A bit of historical context on where this falls in and what the hell this is. But today we are specifically discussing, it's just titled Digimon Volume 1. It is the Tokyo Pop release of a comic adapting the original Digimon anime entitled Digimon Adventure. The creator is Yuan Wang Yu, and though Digimon is a Japanese franchise, this is not technically manga, even though the book says it is. This is technically manhwa, meaning a Chinese comic, so it's our first time covering one of those, but this was originally a Chinese language adaptation of the Japanese TV show and we are now reading the English translation. You did adaptation comics for the original for Digimon anime series of the late 90s through early 2000s. And basically this volume that we are reading today, or rather that we read for today and are discussing, is a very condensed, rushed version of the first seven episodes of Digimon Adventure. And from here on out, the manga gets even more rushed. Crazy rushed. Which, if you think that this feels a breakneck pace, it gets only wow. worse. Yeah. But, yeah, we're talking about comics is adapting over media again. And we're going to be coming at it with opposite directions of Outlook in terms of me being very familiar with the source material and you being not at all. But I guess I'll just sort of ask up front, as someone who didn't know the source material, what did you think of the sort of general clarity, pacing, The way the information is presented, my impression is that you just found it confusing and fast.
0: Those two words are very accurate. The main thing I got is they wanted me to know everybody's names, and they didn't care if I knew anything else. Like, the exposition for the names is great. I get to see all the names. And then everything else, I'm just like, okay, there's a group of kids. I'm losing track of how many of them there are at any given point, but there's a group of kids and there's a group of weird monsters and they all seem to have a specific monster. I don't know why each monster is attached to one specific one. Not sure why they care about that. Don't know why the monsters care about the kids in the first place. Don't know where they are. I mean, they don't know where they are either, but like, the context for how they could have gotten there or anything, it, it never comes up. They're never concerned about how they got here. They don't talk about what they were doing when they, like, went. You know, like, you. I'm assuming they're digital monsters, so I'm assuming this is, like, maybe the Matrix, basically. But, like, they don't talk about being near computers or anything when this happened or anything that would make sense to me on that level. And then things just keep happening, and every single time there's, like, a pause, a giant monster bursts out of the bushes, and they have to remove this black gear from it, because this black gear makes all these digital monsters, like, evil. It's not explained why, I'm assuming that's an arc plot, that's okay, but it's not explained in this. But, um, if it weren't for these black gears, literally everyone they meet would be super friendly. But because these things just seem to hit monsters five minutes before the kids show up, it's just constant, like, fighting. Oh, and then, like, every single fight goes, they're losing because there's a giant monster, and then one of their little monsters turns into a bigger, weirder-looking monster and wins the fight. Sometimes more than one does this. and Oh, and every time the monsters change their shape, they get a new name. But no one uses that name but they have the new name. And it's important that we know that because they have a little caption every single time this happens with the new name.
1: I think that was a very accurate plot description. (laughs) It is a very simple formula, yeah.
0: I do like that the letterer chose to use uh, the font from the side of K9 from Doctor Who for all of the character names. Delightful excellent choice
1: i do like the font choices in general yeah like i think the standard font you know just is pleasantly readable and then yeah we get that like purposefully more sort of computer typey font choice for captionings in particular the names yeah i like it too
0: That's a very, I can't remember its name right now, but it's a very classic font for computer stuff. I know it's been around since at least 1964. Uh, So like, that's a cool font to pick. It's a fun, a fun retro font. I wish I had occasion to use that font more often, to be honest.
1: Yeah. With regards to some of the either confusion or just not knowing Of certain plot details. I think. That comes from a mixture. Of the source material. And the adaptation. Because some of it is. Just a matter of. Oh part of the plot. Is that the kids are in this new world. And they're noobs. And they don't know what's going on. But then also I think. Within the context of this book. I think that is exasperated a bit by just some of the adaptation choices and it being so rushed that there's no room to breathe but for instance the very beginning adapting the first episode cuts out a fair amount of the beginning of the episode and like tries to fill in a little bit of it in flashback but largely cuts out stuff i assume just the struggle of page count and how much was allotted but in the actual initial anime episode we spend a fair amount of time i'm gonna estimate maybe five minutes which doesn't sound like a lot but compared to this feels like a lot of the children at summer camp before they get transported And that sounds vital. Yeah. And like that sort of helps not only introduce the kids, but give like a little bit of their personality and sort of sets a natural earth setting to contrast the transportation to the digital world from. Whereas this manga opens. Basically in media rays with the kids already on the island and having been paired up with their Digimon partners in their in training stages. In training being the term for the level that these Digimon are at when they look like babies because Digimon have levels and yeah, you know, various levels, they evolve, higher levels are stronger sort of that basic setup and this series being an anime originally there's a lot of struggles in adapting it to print you know like obviously this was something that was originally made to excite with music with a score with voice acting to help in characterizing the characters their personalities etc but even in terms of losing sort of audio elements and such or certain, you know, a different type of visual because like this is just print as opposed to animation, etc. cetera. The conversion to print also results in us losing a bunch of sort of smaller connecting scenes between bits of the larger plot Which would help sort of flesh the characters out some more. And because those are missing, yeah, we just have them immediately transported. And as you said, every time they turn around, there's a new monster attacking them. Which is basically how the plot goes in the cartoon. But there's enough little wiggle room added in between to pad things out that it feels a bit less ridiculous.
0: Yeah, like, I think the formula would work better in a show where you have, like, the time in between all the big monster attacks to have the characters have, like, a conversation at some point. And, like, each issue of this seems to focus on a different kid. And, like, that's a very good formula for a television show. But it's still, like, there's just... Uh, by page, I wish he's had page numbers. So, uh, like, before the end of the first chapter, so you said they were on, like, a junior level when they just looked like little heads? When they're disembodied heads they're junior level. And then they almost immediately turn into the forms that they just sort of stay in most of the time. And, like, because they changed their names when they changed their forms, I'm not even sure which one was which (laughs) from the first couple of pages. And then they're just, I'm sort of like, why did they, why were they even in those junior forms? Like, it's such a weird detail in the manga where I'm just like, this feels so wholly unnecessary as a thing to do or have happen. I would just have them. In the form we would recognize immediately. I'm sure maybe in the show there was some purpose to this, but gosh, in the in the adaptation, it's just like, okay, what's happening? Hang on.
1: And like I
0: just got used to the heads. And all these kids have these watches that are connected to them. Don't know why. Yeah. None of the kids seem concerned that they suddenly have these watches. I'm like, did they know they had these watches?
1: So the little devices are called digi They, I think it gets only like literally a panel in the manga, but essentially in the anime, they fall from the sky like meteorites while they're still at the summer camp. And they just like pick them up and are like, what the fuck is this? And then immediately after that, the ground sort of falls out from under them. And they black out as they are transported to what is literally called the digital world. Although early on, even the kids don't really know that because part of it is just them not knowing. And then they sort of wake up, like split up. In this forest part of this island. And so like... Half of the episode is the group... Finding their way back together again. And then Mimi is the last one they meet up with. But in the manga... To save time... They just start there with everyone... Else. And then immediately find Mimi. And have the whole Kawagamon attack. So... I think episode one, for some weird reason, is one of the ones that has the most content stripped out of it. Because a good amount of the first chapter in this comic is straight up also from episode two. And you would think that you would want your establishing chapter, you know even if you're rushing, if you're gonna space anything out a lot more time to something, you would think you would want to properly pace the beginning, but this does not. It is so rushed.
0: I guess they're assuming that you are watching the show? Maybe?
1: Yeah, which, like, is sort of a fair assumption, but also we're judging this as a work on its own and
0: well and the comic is still an adaptation and every adaptation should be able to stand on its own like ha- have we covered an adaptation before like i aside from i guess the Clyde barker short stories were adaptations and those stood on their own fairly well certainly um uh the the one about the statue did have we done anything else that's an adaptation oh alien jesus Only during Horror Month do we do adaptations, apparently.
1: Yeah, I can't immediately recall any ones other than those. But yeah, Alien, which also felt like a smidge rushed, but nothing like this.
0: It had one premise. This, I mean, it does have one premise, but it's doing that premise like eight times. There's some differences. There's the toy thing which I'm sure was a pretty good episode of the show because it's so weird but um I barely get a sense of anything happening before they have to have something else happening there's no time to spend with like creepy toys that are alive because we have to immediately move to the next thing and I'm reading this and I'm just like they talk about there being weird toys that are alive and trying to play with the people but we literally see one of them for one panel And I'm just like, this this is an interesting premise. Let it breathe. And I'm sure the show had like a 10 minute, you know, even just a five minute segment where there's a couple creepy toys that are trying to like grab you and I don't know, do whatever. But this is going to get to like the next fight and then the next like full page splash of, in this case, like the cactus thing turning into the bigger, well, she's like a flower. And then turns into a cactus. A really creepy looking cactus with hollow dead eyes and a mouth. Very strange. The design continuity between the like different forms of the Digimon too is like, some of them look like bigger versions of the design we have, and then some of them look weirdly different. And I can't figure out the design logic of it.
1: Digimon traditionally tends up Vary a lot more post evolution than Pokemon do. Yeah. In a lot of cases, the connection will be something as simple as just they're all kind of dinosaurs or they're all mostly plants and sometimes not even that much. It's a I more guess sort that's of spread, digital biology. Yeah. One thing, too, of, like, the way it adapts is there's seven episodes being covered in seven chapters, but it's not one chapter per thing. Like I said, episode one is really rushed, and then, like, the first chapter gets into episode two's events. Episode four here is extremely rushed, and basically it sort of ignores the natural, like, pause and restart points that are built into the show, you know, so that the chapter divisions here, I don't know if you agree, but at least with, like, my preconceived knowledge, the chapter markers here feel really arbitrary because we'll get, like, chapters of, like, two different Champion Digimon debuting because of just, like, how weirdly sped up or passed through just sort of, like, inconsistency of amount of page length on different events are.
0: Yeah, I wasn't paying that much attention to the chapter markers, but I would agree, I do think they feel kind of random. Like, one chapter just ends with the kids eating birdseed, and then that that's that's the ending somehow. There's, like, sometimes it ends on a cliffhanger. Sometimes it ends on, like, one of the Digimon transforming some... Yeah, looking at it, it is inconsistent.
1: To just sort of give you an example, the first episode of the show ends with them falling off of the cliff after Kawagamon breaks it, which here is just... In the middle of chapter one, what is intentionally left as a cliffhanger for the viewer to tune back into is here just a page turn within the next chapter, or within the same chapter, rather.
0: That's a weird choice.
1: Yeah. I suppose just a bit of context for the world and the creatures, which is a bit beyond what the characters clearly know here, but just in terms of knowledge for you, I suppose. I don't think it really matters to spoil any of this. I don't think this is spoiler territory, but yeah, I believe I already said it's literally just called the digital world. And this framing is going to be, I'll say more or less true, In most cases, it's not always exactly this simple, but for this and in Digimon media generally, a Digimon's evolution line, a standard evolution line, will have six levels that'll go from baby to in-training. Here, the in-trainings are the sort of just heads that you see when you first meet them. Babies are just even smaller babies. In training that involves
0: tinier heads.
1: Yeah, literally heads with even less detail, generally. Okay. Okay. Like some of the in trainings here will have like, oh, you have a few arms, and then like the babies are usually just heads. Which sounds creepier than they are. A lot of them are actually cute, but in describing them sounds freakish.
0: Yeah, I mean Yeah, that's gonna happen. Especially, I mean, it was the same thing with Bionicle. Trying to explain how their bodies work is just confusing.
1: Yeah. And Training then evolves into Rookie, and Rookies in the vast majority of cases in the anime and other, just like main franchise narratives, are the forms that the protagonist partner Digimon stay in the majority of the time as sort of a default. So like Agumon, Gabumon, the forms that are just walking around here most of the time in this comic are the rookies. That's sort of the stabilizing points for most of the characters. And then from rookie then goes up to champion, which... When you see them evolving in this story, they're evolving to their champion forms. And beyond that, there's also the levels of Ultimate and Mega. But you don't really get into any of that here because that's past this point. But yeah, a lot of the opening episodes in this show and what it's struggling to adapt is... Just the kids walking around the digital world, not really understanding where they're at or why. And more or less just in quick succession, everybody's rookie has to evolve to their champion form because we have toys to sell. So we're introducing all of these toys. And what comes off is just the mystery of what's the deal with this island, what are the black gears, yada yada, you know, is a mystery to the kids, but within the context of it being just so much more rushed here, I can't blame you for just being like, what the hell is going on?
0: Yeah, just confusing. Confusing stuff.
1: Having addressed the sort of pitfalls of the adaptation process though what do you think of the art
0: it's very energetic
1: i like it i like the art a lot honestly like you said it's very energetic i i think it does a really good job of replicating the feel and look of the anime like the characters are all really instantly recognizable as who they are No one feels terribly off. It feels a lot like Digimon without being too stiff or too literal. Like, he's not trying to just trace screenshots by any means, you know? And there will be, like, some points where his style will be a bit different, but not in a bad way. Like, he takes some of the visual comedy gags a bit further than the show does at times, things like that. But on the whole, I think it does a very good job of replicating the look of the show. I think that the pacing and like continuity and just like movement from panel to panel is weak in a lot of places, but I think that goes more toward Just everything we've said about how crammed and rushed this project sort of inherently is than me feeling like it's necessarily just like his struggle as an artist, you know, since this isn't like an original story that he can really fully control how he's telling.
0: I'm assuming he must have been told to like get through it this quick because there's no
1: way this is the choice that you make. Yeah, and like the pace and amount of things that get cut out just goes up and up from here because Adventure is adapted into five of these books, like the one you read is already a fifth of the way through this comic, but the anime it's adapting is 54 episodes so I think you can imagine mm. just how much would need to be cut from such a short stack of books. Cause these aren't even thick books.
0: No, this is a normal, like sort of what I think of as like a standard size manga. Like yeah. it's the amount that I expect when I just buy any like regular manga volume. Yeah. And yeah, that's um that's a lot to have to try and adapt. <laughs>
1: It's an absolutely just mind-boggling assignment. And with that in mind, I guess I'm kind of impressed that it's even as good as it is, as much as I don't really think that it holds up on its own. You know, like, at least the art's not shit, but... The monsters look neat. They do, and that's something I'm I wanted to... confused by them. You're right, you're confused cool. by them? Yeah. Yeah. I did want to ask Do you have any monsters in particular you especially like or have thoughts on in particular? Just what Digimon stand out to you?
0: So, the nightmare cactus with the hollow eyes. Hell yeah. And the boxing gloves stands out to me in a wait, what the fuck kind of a way because, like, the the thing that it transforms from, the Digimon it transforms from, looks kind of like, not, not exactly like Bulbasaur, but sort of Bulbasaur-esque. I'm like, okay, it's like a plant-reptile combination, and then it turns into a ghost cactus. Obviously the dinosaur guy, and like his evolved form that's a dinosaur wearing a like cow skull, for whatever reason... That's very memorable just cuz I'm like, oh, I recognize that immediately. I like the giant teddy bear. That's that's nice and surreal. I'm confused by the one that's a robot.
1: What about him? What just... why
0: is he a robot?
1: Yeah, so Digimon. He seems like he's just a normal Digimon, but like
0: none of the others have like mechanical parts.
1: Digimon I think it's fair to say the creatures sort of have a much larger variety in what they're sort of based on or making visual cues to than Pokemon generally do. And I know that Pokemon has, you know, variety and they're not literally all animals, but just generalizing here. But A fair
0: number of them also confuse me.
1: But like Digimon designs draw from absolutely everything so you get the ones that are various sorts of animals and plants but you also have a lot like andromon who are robotic in various ways you have a lot of digimon that essentially just look like people because their designs are pulling largely From religious things. Like you have devil influenced ones. You have a lot of angels. All sorts of shit. Various like mythologies. Being pulled from. There's an entire group of 12. That are essentially. Versions of the Chinese zodiac. Etc. Etc. There's all sorts of shit. It's very much a hodgepodge world. In regards to monster design. And all the biomes and environments and stuff, like the Toy Town that we talked about a little bit earlier.
0: I guess they are all digital. So, who programmed them? Are they programmed?
1: That is an answer for which the lore varies by the story. Cool. Okay. Yeah, because another thing about the franchise is it reboots exactly yeah like there's not just one ongoing continuity most series are sort of standalone or will only have a limited amount of sequels or sort of side media so sort of each production team etc will sort of toy around with the basic principles a bit and come up with new ideas of like how does the digital world look visually how does it work there's differing lore with regards to how explicitly were digimon designed by humans versus sometimes it gets a bit sort of mystical where It's like, these are still digital monsters, but do they have some sort of ties to more sort of ancient mythological beings? Really, when it comes to Digimon, a lot of questions don't have just one answer because beyond the very basic concepts of digital networks having given rise to digital life, the actual specifics vary enormously from narrative to narrative.
0: Huh. Okay.
1: Which, for a long-time fan like me, is part of the fun and keeping it fresh, but I also know is just a ton of information for someone who is not been immersed in it since they were five years old like I have. Sort of like trying to explain why
0: there is four different incarnations of the Doctor with the face of David Tennant. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I just had to count in my head.
1: I'm Google image searching to send you various images of Digimon and evolution lines that I imagine you will have no idea what to do with or what's going on, but just more of a sense of how much stuff there is here. Let's see. With regards to the setting here, the kids specifically get transported to an island. They don't call it this here, but it's called File Island within the larger digital world and it's sort of just a gigantic mix of different biomes and environments so that each episode we can sort of check out a different setting as to better fit or frame a story around what monsters were playing around with this week. Toy Town's probably the most unique one, like we've alluded to. It has had similar... Locations and future media sort of play with the idea, make new versions of it. Beyond that, I guess there's not really, especially, a lot of note that's established here in terms of settings. Like we get a factory, and otherwise, they just sort of go from like the forest to a lake to a desert to a mountain, sort of thing.
0: It wasn't even clear what the factory was, like, making. It was just a factory. They were just in, like, an industrial zone for a minute.
1: In the anime, they, like, sort of use that question as a means of enhancing the sense of a weirdness and overworldliness. Because there, it's just sort of like... They show, like, conveyor belts putting objects together and then taking the pieces apart, dismantling them right afterwards. So it's this sort of just, like, literally nothing makes sense here. What the fuck is this weird place we've been transported to? But all of that gets cut here for time. So I guess I'm saying that it's weird by design but all the weirder They don't rush
0: yeah it doesn't work atmosphere wise because of how rushed everything is it feels like they forgot to say what the factory was building and not that everyone is here and is like huh what is this factory for I'm confused
1: yeah and like an anime format you get the added benefit of like musical cues again just like the little scenes in between of characters remarking on things that are either entirely absent here or just very short and don't effectively accomplish what they do when animated.
0: Walking around uh, the, like, factory, like it's a Scooby-Doo episode with the abandoned, you know, whatever that it's set in. Stuff like that.
1: Yeah. While we're talking about it, I do want to ask you about one Digimon in particular. What did you think of the Numamon that they encounter in the sewers?
0: Oh, I hate them.
1: It occurred to me as I was rereading that, like, you would not be prepared for the Numamon at all.
0: (laughs) I, I find them deeply confusing because initially they seem like they're villains and then they help them, and then they're just sort of not there anymore. And their design... It's not the eyes on stocks that's the problem for me. It's the very human teeth that's kind of fucked up. And then there's, like, the one weird one that gets really into uh Mimi, I want to say.
1: Mimi, yeah.
0: That doesn't really go anywhere or, or matter at all. It just sort of happens and then it's over blessedly over i like the idea of them forming like a big giant one but it literally lasts a panel but yeah the uh the the noumenon they're weird and i don't like their mouths i really hate their mouths
1: we're burying the lead that they literally throw shit as an attack
0: well, they kept, rep- they kept correcting the one kid and saying sludge. So I'm like, is it poo or sludge? I can't tell. Unclear.
1: So part of that is how... But deeply
0: unsanitary either way.
1: Yeah. So part of that is inconsistency and in the censorship in English versions of Adventure. But, Numamon, listeners, if you're unfamiliar, Google image search... But they're basically these mollusks with, like you said, these pronounced mouths with these large teeth, very humanoid-looking teeth. And their attack is throwing shit. Sometimes it gets referred to as sludge, but it's literally shit. And these sort of uniquely tie in to the franchise's roots in virtual pets. Are you familiar with V-Pets or Tamagotchi or anything like that?
0: I remember the DS game that let you stroke a dog.
1: Okay. Well, basically, the very first bits of Digimon Media were these things called V-Pets where you would raise your Digimon from its time as a baby and then just like upwards as it evolves etc cetera, etc cetera. and you would care for it as a pet you would have to feed it you would have to take it to the bathroom when it needed to go you would need to both praise it and discipline it depending on its actions okay. you would need to train it yeah and in early media I'm most specifically familiar and think about Digimon World One for the PlayStation One, which is basically just like a console version of the V pets in its basic gameplay. But when you're raising your Digimon, Numamon is what you would get if you did a shit job raising your little rookie, And if you didn't meet the evolution requirements for any other champions in the game, so, for example, if you let your Digimon just, like, shit in the open too many times, if you don't get it to a toilet in time, care mistakes like that, it will turn into Pneumomon, you let it shit itself, and it will literally just become a fucking mollusk that throws poop all over the place and wow they're revolting and I can't blame you for hating them but I love these fucking things <laughs> they are ridiculous they are heinous and I've been exposed to them for 20 years and I think they're really delightful but you're not wrong they are in fact horrible
0: <laughs> okay that That's kind of made them make a little bit more sense, like I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, they're an entire creature design that basically symbolizes being bad at the game.
0: See, I know a lot of people who would consider that the best outcome.
1: Also, going back to Andromon, the... Android we talked about for a minute earlier. I also really like him. I just want to note that he belongs to a grand tradition of Digimon whose attack involves their tits because he has a latch on his chest that just opens up and shoots missiles. and oh, it's not yeah. just him. <laughs> Yeah, like a category of Digimon that just shoot shit from their tits.
0: Like he's a fembot from Austin Powers,
1: exactly. But also a man, not even just a fembot thing. Just yeah, robot Digimon of all genders can attack Nipple from guns. their breasts.
0: Nipple guns.
1: I think it's delightful.
0: <laughs> um. What Batman would have had if Joel Schumacher got to make another movie. Oh uh, yeah, I'm I'm entertained by how many Digimon attacks involve mouth beams while also shouting the name of the attack. Yeah, I'm like, okay, did you shout that and then fire the beam from your mouth, or what? Like, but there's like three or four of them where the attack is just like, I shoot a mouth beam. Oh, yeah. And they have a unique name for their mouth beam, And they're shouting it. Why are they declaring all their attacks?
1: Just genre convention, really. Like, almost all Digimon media does that. A lot of monster shows in general do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of, I know that's probably, that's the Pokemon thing too, isn't it? It's just kind of what these things
1: do. It gives children something to yell as they're smacking their action figures around.
0: Or, like, throwing their action figures at other people.
1: Yeah. Using their bionicles as instruments of bullying.
0: (laughs) There was- I remember the years when bionicles were cool. And now I'm, like, weird for remembering their names still.
1: I feel like bionicles in particular would have hurt, too.
0: The plastic, yeah. But they would have also fallen apart if you threw them too hard because, like, Lego. So I don't think they're that effective because you'd have to rebuild it. And, like, if you toss that at someone, you're going to lose pieces. You don't want to lose any pieces.
1: Yeah. Some of those
0: pieces could wind up valuable one day.
1: I know, the eBay resale prices are insane.
0: Oh, yep. Yeah, it's a bit better on Bricklink, but it's still, like, there's only one or two that I want to have, but I've got the main one, just, um, some of the pieces are actually the wrong kind of pieces, and I'm like, how the fuck did this seller fuck this up? And then the sword is all chewed up, and I'm just like, at some point, I'm just gonna have to find the fucking sword, I guess.
1: With regards to the characters, meaning our protagonists and their partners again, just sort of asking as someone who has an anime to compare it to versus someone reading just this, do we share the opinion that in the context of the manhwa, at least these characters have next to no personality?
0: Yeah. As I said, I I had a hard time remembering how many of them there were. So not even remembering which one was which, just like, are they all in this panel? I'm not sure.
1: It's also a very large cast, which, like, I think the show pulls off, although it's ambitiously large, but 14 main characters is a lot.
0: Yeah, whereas, like, not to keep comparing this to Pokemon, but Pokemon's, like, four, isn't it?
1: Yeah, at least, like... The most classic era of the anime that I usually think of is literally like free humans and then however many Pikachu. of their monsters you want to count. Yeah, like Pikachu. It's
0: who gives a shit about any that are not Pikachu, though,
1: basically. But to give you an example of sort of what is missing here, which I don't know. I kind of feel weird spending so much time discussing, like, another work and not just this. But I think it's just kind of inherent to discussing an adaptation. I don't think there's really any getting around it. Yeah. Especially not in, like, a super rushed one like this. But, for example, in the factory setting in that episode, you get a few minutes between Izzy and Tentamon in which it is first hinted that Izzy is going to have a whole character arc about being adopted and about having overheard his parents talking about it so that like he knows but his family doesn't know he knows and that's a lot of his whole emotional arc over the course of his show is just Izzy and his family's relationship with regards to being a small child sort of learning to understand and coping with knowing that your parents are not your birth parents and the early episode you know doesn't get into all of that but it lays the groundwork for that and that's entirely missing here you know the show has a fair amount more about Matt and TK being brothers. Whereas here, I. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
0: These people know each other? They have like relationships between each other at all?
1: I think the brother relationship is literally only mentioned in one panel in this entire book. Yeah. So there's a whole just like sort of relationship there in terms of like. Matt being sort of hostile and antsy and paranoid largely because he feels responsible to have to be taking care of his little brother in this mystery setting that he has no control over. But again, those sorts of character arcs really just are not able to be explored here due to the page count restrictions and It's those character relationships that are one of the series' strongest aspects, so the hurdles of adaptation got the fuck out of it.
0: Well, we have to make sure we get in every single monster fight and evolution, because that's the most important thing. It's not not the story.
1: We have to have the toys here.
0: There's not enough monster fights in that first episode, so we have to make the cliffhanger for the first episode happen halfway through the first part, so we can get to a monster fight by the end of it.
1: With all of this said, and you having now read it, I assume you can see why, even though I wanted to talk about Digimon, I didn't know if we ever would, just because the comics are like this.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I vastly prefer when comics in a franchise are, like, not adapting. They're adding more stories. There's a lot of, like, comic adaptations of things, and frequently I find them to not work because comics are so weird and difficult to do pacing in. Um, Like fairly recently I read the comic adaptation of one of my favorite books, uh The Golden Compass by Philip Pullman in the His Dark Materials series. And it felt like I was reading a Cliff Notes version of the book with a picture next to each caption. And this was a fairly long-ish comic, but they just had no chance. And like the 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 adaptation clearly had a very hard time figuring out how to even use like comic book storytelling to tell some of this plot yeah it's, yeah it's it's tricky i it's very popular to do a comic adaptation of things but i find that almost anything going into a comic book medium it's actually really hard i think it's maybe the hardest to do an adaptation into
1: yeah it's such a distinct medium that is really difficult especially since like a lot of adaptations into comics are just so transparently for profit only which you know damn near any comic production is ultimately for profit but like the degree to which care about it as a piece of art goes into the inception is just that much lower since it's like okay this property is hot right now we have to get in on some of that money quick just churn these out
0: yeah and it's really hard to get to that point where you're like the animal of books where like you don't need to hand someone the original book for them to understand the story of animals if you're handing them the graphic novel which by the way how did we not remember that when we were talking about having talked about adaptations before earlier
1: it's just been so long since we did those but yeah those are a good example of how to do adaptation mostly successfully
0: yeah i i i haven't read the original books but i don't feel like anything that serious has been lost i do need to read the adaptation of kindred Since it won the Bram Stoker Award, apparently. So I can't comment on that. But other than that, I've not really seen any that I thought was successful in terms of adapting books or and certainly in terms of adapting like you know animation or live-action media like that. Yeah. Adapting like a comic into something else, unless you're adapting it into a novel, I think is usually pretty easy. Adapting the other way around, though just doesn't seem like it's ever something that's easy to do
1: yeah with regards to the history of digimon comics and me figuring out how to discuss the franchise it's always been on my mind as something to do at least once because like i said this is my favorite franchise this is my bionicle my doctor who etc I love yeah. Digimon more than I love X-Men even. But basically the choices, the best manga I would say are a few series that do not have official English translations and releases. So that strikes them off the list. And in terms of works that are officially available in English, they are a mixture of of bad and out of print. Like I just happened to be able to get you a copy of this at a used bookstore. And as we've established, it's not very good. And also out of print. There is a adaptation in the form of American comic issues from dark horse comics they did back in like 99 or 2000, a 12 issue comic, similarly adapting the opening episodes of this same anime. And believe it or not, it is much worse than this. And I mean, much worse. Wow. Yeah. If I can ever get, Second copies of some of those. Maybe we'll discuss them at some point for fun. They're not good, which all love and compassion to the creators there too, because, like we've said here, it's a damn near impossible assignment. But there's those Dark Horse comics, also largely out of print and unavailable. And the only other Digimon comic that's really available in English at all is relatively recent. Only in this last year have they actually started putting out an English version of it is called Digimon Dreamers, which I considered having be what we did for our Digimon episode. And Well, I do think it's a better comic than this, the thing is that it's a gag series, it's a comedy, and I didn't know if that would be a great sort of introduction to the franchise for you, because it's largely just sort of joking around and telling less of a serious narrative, you know?
0: Huh, okay.
1: Which, like, I don't think it's a bad comic, but I felt like it would be kind of weird to give you the sort of jokey version of a franchise that you weren't familiar with to begin with. But, yeah, this this was Digimon. I'll reiterate again that although we talked a lot of smack about this, I think that it was a very hard assignment and... I think that it visually still looks really great. I really like the art here. and Yeah,
0: the art's nice.
1: Yeah, and I am happy to have at last expose you to some Digimon stuff, even if it was more confusing than enjoyable.
0: I mean, I like the art and some of the monster designs. Oh, I forgot to compliment uh, Kabutaromon, I want to say. Kabu There we go.
1: The big blue bug. I guess you wouldn't know that it's blue from this, but the big bug.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I I appreciate that it's xenomorphy. I like how it has extra mouth yeah. and extra arms. It once again, I'm just like looking at the original form, I'm like, how is this a through line? But okay. I mean, aside from like buggy, I guess, but he's like a millipede and then he turns into a bug-esque alien.
1: I love him. (laughs) He's also just like a startlingly detail-heavy design for something that animators had to draw over and over again.
0: Yeah, that's fucking weird as a choice.
1: But I love him.
0: If I'm designing for like traditional 2D animation where I'm drawing it, I'm like, hmm how how simple can I make this?
1: They were Doing ambitious. Like a, yeah, yeah. You think you would do
0: something more like I mean, like spectacular Spider-Man, where everyone is like really simplistic, so that you can, you know, do the most frames in the at, like action sequences that you can to make it look smoother, rather than have to, you know, draw a really detailed design over and over again.
1: But yeah, is there anything else we should touch on, or are you ready to give homework for next week?
0: Uh, I think I'm good on on. Uh, let's do the homework.
1: Tell me what I'm reading for next week, as if I don't already know.
0: So next week you will be reading Liberation of the Daleks, the most recent Doctor Who comic to be released. So as of the time of this episode going out. Uh, which is late November. Um, the collected edition is available for like 20 bucks on Amazon in the United States, starting on the 28th. I don't know why this is available in America quicker than a lot of other things that have been published in November that are Doctor Who related, but I'm not going to get until January at the earliest, but whatever. And then, yeah, uh, it's it's the comic starring the 14th Doctor as played by David Tennant. In the TV show, right now, Um, as of recording, the specials have still not come out. We're in early November, so this is also right now the most current Doctor Who media. This is the, like, most forward in the Doctor's timeline or whatever. Like, this is the current ongoing story. It is a 13-part epic that's like one of the longest comic stories they've ever done it's also kind of a sequel to our Daleks episode so let's be excited about that
1: but yeah look forward to that next week and if you're interested in Digimon check out the show don't pay really expensive amounts for this book on Amazon or eBay because it's not actually good but Thank you all for listening, and bye.
0: Bye, everyone. Be excellent to each other.